My name's David. I'm creative of this. Well, we're all creative. That's just no my only claim you. To fame. <laughs> <laughs> um, I my my strong point is is working with other people to uh, create. Um, that's just where I'm most comfortable and efficient at. Um, my name is Trevor. I am a dungeon master for a long time, um, mostly because I just like pretending to know a lot of stuff about things that don't actually exist. My name's Mason, dungeon master player. I guess I should also mention I like I do the world building stuff, but I also like make rules systems like D and D tabletop systems from time to time as well as other mm -hmm. general nerdy stuff because i like to pretend i know so much about stuff that i make stuff to know stuff about um <laughs> <laughs> so like trevor mentioned the true depths of my nerdiness knows no bounds uh yeah i i thought i thought that i knew who mason was <laughs> and then I invited him to play D and D, and then True I was like, crap. "Oh God, this guy's a nerd. <laughs> this guy's an absolute monster." <laughs> yeah, it's people. As people get to know me, it's always so weird because, like, you know, you look at me. I've got like long hair, pretty big beard. I worked at like a lumberyard for a long time, but then I worked at a freaking you know behavior place. Now I work at a school. But then I also taught dance and do programming and like it, it just. Yeah, the the more I found out about you, the more I was like, "What is who? Who what are is you? This person?" Because like, uh, <laughs> like going back to like you getting into the nitty gritty and like building world like worlds. I remember at at the group home that we all worked at, you ran a couple sessions like in the, your Mad Max like oh, yeah, game rule thing, and I was like. Dude, this is fucking dope. Can we do a Mad Max and then, and then I asked you about it, and you were like, "Oh yeah, I like came up with like, you know, it's loosely based on on these other rule systems, but like I tweaked it to make it feel more Mad Max like." And I was like, "Oh, oh my god!" <laughs> can we? Sorry, I know it's not where we need to do it, but can we do a Mad Max one shot one time? We really should. I've kind of been craving going back to it. And this this is this is your opportunity, audience. <laughs> Let us know if you want to listen to us pretentious, long-winded a-holes run Dude. through a Mad Max scenario with Mason trying to kill us. Let us know. The freaking city I made for that. You guys would love it. You guys would lose your minds. Oh, we have to do it sometime. I've decided. Audience, oh, you don't get to choose. <laughs> it's happening. Fair enough. That'd uh, be fine with me. Anyway, I'll shut up. And springboarding off of uh, cities... We have this discussions of managing engagement, um, kind of how to even the flows of it at your table, when to devote time to individual party member storylines or even NPC storylines, how to uh, keep that flow going. Um, yeah. I think I think the first topic we have is uh, types of engagement we don't have in our campaign. Um, mm. Trevor, take it out, take it away. Um, 
This isn't is a difficult question. It's always hard to answer like what you don't have because sometimes you just don't know uh that you don't have it. Uh fortunately for everybody listening, I am a very highly consumptive nerd and I listen to lots of different uh like D&D podcasts and live plays and 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 different examples of this and i have seen i've seen these ways that i am not good at running D D. um but like i would like to be but like low-key no i would probably never be <laughs> um one one example uh of that is there there's basically uh before we get too far into it i think we should recap like some like actions that represent engagement. Um, we've already recorded uh, two episodes kind of about the topic of engagement. Um, but to recap, um, I'll just list a couple. And if you guys uh, can help me fill in um, engagement is kind of what shows uh, that people are bought into a, tabletop rpg like campaign or a group and that can be so many different things um but some of the easiest to tell are like paying attention taking notes acting on world knowledge um there are some out of game examples um what are what are some that you guys remember yeah uh, Uh, go ahead dave Oh, I was, I was just going to bring up uh, player. We, uh, we we call them player duties, but it's really just um, a reciprocation of you know respect. It's mutual respect, uh, such as um, assisting the DM by engaging in scheduling the session, uh, taking up that responsibility, or bringing snacks you don't have to bring them all just bring bring a few snacks um showing up on time <laughs> uh mutual respect mm-hmm. um there's some others we haven't mentioned as much there there's people that like they're there because the performance aspect of the game is interesting to them mm-hmm. um i kind of thought of that one when we were talking about theo's spell descriptions last episode yeah. Um, that, you know, that, that's an aspect that he, he does a lot more than I think I, I certainly do largely cause I don't have, haven't had spells as long. So I'm not as practiced at it. Um, it's something I'd like to do more of an area I'd like to branch out into. Um, there's also it, in our group, it, it, it's one that's not really represented just cause of the high level of engagement we've reached also cause we're a smaller group, but in the group I run, um, someone who's there more for the social and story aspect and, and it's, it, he wants to participate in the story, but not necessarily like be driving it. He just wants to hang out with friends. Like that's that's a fine place to be. But if you don't recognize that and try to drive the level engagement to a very high point, they're you know as far as like game actions go, they're not going to respond as well to that. Just because you know they're there to kind of hang out and have a very casual time, goofing around, mm-hmm. swapping jokes, and you know playing the game as well. But you know, it it only it will only go so far. And so that's an important one to recognize is 
just that kind of aspect of they're they're there largely for the social story aspect um those two in tandem and so going too far down one is mm-hmm. is, is not something they want overbearing yeah, yeah. Um, also yeah. people are there to just do powerful things right Th- that that's sort of a form of performance like they, they don't care as much about the story they care about like going in smashing faces or doing some really awesome over the top acrobatics check or whatever mm-hmm. thing they're interested yeah. in as a game yeah, action I, that they want like, to do well in yeah there are plenty of people who want to play a role playing game you know to be over the top and be dramatic and be a hero mm-hmm. um and that you know, can be a type of engagement to Stoke. Um, So we hope to talk about how to do some of those things. Uh, Another type of engagement that, that I struggle with that I would really like to be good at, but honestly is kind of high level um, is like political intrigue. Um, Because that is super fascinating to me. Like, uh, without getting too into the weeds about anything like I pay attention to like American politics and like loosely world politics. And I've learned a lot about it in the last couple of years, but I don't know how to do that in a fantasy world uh, with that, except like on a real, like kind of basic level, uh, just enough to like have the illusion of some structure behind some things just enough to be story dressing um so like that is something i would like to strive for one day to have like a west wing style like D D campaign where you're the the characters are literally trying to like have a coup in this city um for corrupt or uncorrupt reasons like, I think that would be very interesting to play. <laughs> I don't think I could do it right now. I just... No, Trevor, Trevor, here's the thing. Um, you know that city you mentioned um, where you're, like, you're designing how it works and all that yeah. stuff? Next week, can we do the entire podcast just about taking that city and using it for political intrigue? Oh, Ooh. yeah, that'd be fascinating. So, like... Yeah, that's something that I wouldn't be able to provide for a player who who wanted that. Um, but that's not to say I couldn't offer them anything and they couldn't offer me anything. Um, what people want out of engagement, um, you know, everybody likes a group of things. You know, nobody's like a binary yes, no, and they yeah. only like one part about nope. something. Um, but that you'll have players who don't like combat as much, and you'll have players that want to go shopping and talk to every innkeeper. And how do you balance that? How do you manage that? That's what yeah. we kind of hope to to talk about and give a few tips about and a little bit of our experience. Um do you have any other examples that maybe we're missing in our uh, campaign because we tend to be selfish and talk about our own experience? Uh, I got one. 
Um, for the vast majority of our game, we do not have a lot of silliness in our game. Um, we have had times where we've come up with, you know, hilarious scenarios involving our characters, but those scenarios weren't weren't cemented in the game's timeline. Yeah, they weren't canon. Like they the way we canon. The way we make jokes, you know, we'll we'll be in uh, the example is uh there was a druid who was arguing with Theo, our party druid, and in the middle of it she she pauses and I randomly blurt out, marry me. <laughs> and we laugh. And then Trevor kind of nods and smiles and is like, yeah, marry me. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll make a oh. joke. Well, that, 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 was, actually, that was beautiful. That was actually a bad example because it's the exact opposite. You know, we'll, we'll say, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell the tell the foreman to piss off or whatever. But, you know, obviously we're not I mean, that's something, that. <clears throat> something I think about is... Uh, David's character, Lestaria, is like very, um, prim- like puts off the air of being very prim and proper and spoiled and forced um, Mason's character, Pitt, a giant minotaur, to carry her around so that she wouldn't have to walk. Constantly. So, like, the background joke we made up about that is that Pitt's balls are so huge that he just walks and leaves a dual trough behind him and Lestaria sits on his balls yeah and, and gets dragged around violin. but like yeah. that's not re- like that's not canon that's just yeah. us like fucking around in the background yeah um so i i agree with you like our campaign is not very silly yeah so if somebody wanted to join our campaign and they had listened to something like uh dungeons and daddies or even like adventure time mm-hmm uh they would not have fun no no. uh if that's what they were expecting um so so i i think yeah that's something that i would also like to get better about offering um is having a more um improv comedy comedic D &D experience uh but our group isn't the one to really do that with and i can appreciate that my my other group is very improv comedic a little bit um Mm -hmm. the bulk of the time so if that's an area we want to discuss i can lean on that for some experience yeah it's it's really weird because me as a person i don't particularly find that type of entertainment enjoyable Mm -hmm. Uh, like it's funny for a bit but I always find myself searching for, you know, some kind of deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Is this a reference to something? And if it's just silly for the sake of silly, I'm like, eh, that, that's not engaging. Um, now, I don't know how Mason or Trevor feels about that, but it's that's just not what I play D&D for. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think. The, I, uh, I agree with you. I, especially as I've gotten older, I've trended to consuming uh, media books, whatever that's like more serious, yeah, and less comedic. Um, but like, 
I think it can be done well though too. And I can appreciate that. Like a show like scrubs is a big show I watched growing up. Oh yeah. Uh, and that's like one where everything was very funny, but like every two or three episodes, there was like a really intense emotional oh. scene that was like preceded by a poop joke, like 30 seconds later. And it would just yeah. put you in this like, Oh, f- like fuck. Oh, but <laughs> Should I? I don't know if I can laugh about that yet. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not emotionally uh, there. And, and, and like, that's what I would like to be able to do in a D and D campaign that's like comedy based. But I, I don't think I have the chops to pull it off right now. I'd have to work on some skills. You know, yeah. it was it was mesh for me growing up that hit that same vein, um, and and it's it you know the the campaign I run is like a lot more lighthearted. It's it's been challenging. It's like made me grow a little bit in my range of like the ways I enjoy D and D. Cause you know, I, I approach it like, I'm going to have like a really dope story and all that stuff. Like we were running like an old just dungeon crawl module from the Beck me box set. Like story was not really a thing yet. The, yeah. the, the module we ran was credited as giving being one that turned the tide towards story. And it itself did not include tons of the story. It gave you, it actually gave the GM like a lot of plot hooks and talked about ways to expand the story, which I, I found very interesting, you know, being able to look back with like, well, you know, all hoity toity and sure myself and whatnot. But um, it's because, you know, I'm about exploring the world and stuff. So it's exploring the ways in which the world kind of very much in that scrubs or mash way is like kind of messed up and funny and comedic but also you know messed up in a bad way and kind of sad um i took the players through a three session arc exploring an underground lake near a city they were in and there's some mermen that were in there and i'm like it'll be funny if they have like a cajun accent and they're just a bunch of hicks hillbillies (laughs) kind of like futurama with atlanta Um, yeah and I'm like, you know, mermen and mermaids are different. Mermen have like a bass fish tail and mermaids are like the sexy dolphin tail. Um, sexy dolphin. Oh, yeah, that's, and, that's very funny. Yeah, like it's inherently comedic, you know, like <laughs> the men are just super derpy and they're like a bunch of, you know, bayou hillbillies and the ladies like the kind of sexy, sassy Southern Belle. And they kicked the boys out from their secret underwater city and the boys are too dumb to figure out where it is. Um but also, like, there's, like, backstory with the city they're exploring about, like, you know, history of the world and stuff that, like, is kind of sad about how they ended up that way. And so it's this very slapstick thing where also the mermaids aren't just the sexy dolphin ones. They, the part of them that is fish and, or dolphin and woman is shifting. Like, sometimes they'll have a fish head. Sometimes they'll have a regular head. Sometimes they'll have legs. Sometimes they'll have fins. Just for, for, for laughs. Um, but also it's like, it's a very painful part of their curse, you know, so it, it, it hits both sides and you end up with like a legendary quote from my buddy who says, well, you're elbow deep in a mermaid when she starts changing, <laughs> you know, like, it, you know, just, just that time you're elbow deep, just that time you're elbow deep in a mermaid. So, so I, it seems like we got off on a tangent, but I would like to make the argument that it ties in really well to managing engagement. Yes. Um, we've talked about these different types 
these differences between the two campaigns. Um, and like, I also run another campaign, um, and it is different. It is, um, the engagement that the players are seeking is more adventure and combat, um, and like treasure hunting. Um, so it's a very different vibe where the campaign that we three are in together is more about like character growth and like dealing with the decisions that we've made so far and the consequences thereof. Literally our entire story is just based off of what you guys have told me about your character's backstory and the decisions you've made so far. And we've just gone with that. And that like, that would not be enough story for some campaigns. But the management aspect I would like to bring up from that is that every single group of players is going to have a different balance. Yeah. Um, and where it comes to managing is engagement is figuring out where that balance lies. Um, I think it's important to mention um, this topic is going to seem more heavily geared towards a GM, um, which is true. A a GM will have a little bit more burden when it comes to engagement um, because we mentioned in our previous episode, like the onus is on the GM to pay attention and to figure out what the players want and figure out how to give that to them in a way that they also enjoy. Um, but I also want to make the argument that a really good and confident player can do all of these things too. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that is so, so helpful. Um, as a GM, when I have a player ask another player a question so that I don't have to ask that player a question, and and not like a rules question, but like a a character going, "Hey, so where did you grow up?" That makes my life so much easier because it's harder. Basically, I have to build an NPC to come in and ask that question, <laughs> and that's so much more awkward than this person who's been traveling with them for six months than to to ask like, "Hey, where the fuck are you from?" Yeah, like it makes a lot more it makes a lot more sense for the other player to ask that question than for me to figure out a way to tell that story. Because basically, Sorry. then I then I have to introduce a character from their past that forces them to talk about their past and reveal it to the group. Yeah, yeah, no, that um, that, that reminds me that. I don't think our level 14 characters have ever done that. <laughs> uh, it's tried a couple times. Has he? I just... Not like full on let's tell everybody all of our stories, but there's like been several times where things have been kind of tense and he's tried to get everybody to sit down and like explain where they are coming from and why a little bit. Get 
and and try and yeah. that a little bit. No, that that has happened. I was more referring to the hey, where the fuck are you from? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's actually happened in our campaign. Anyways, <clears throat> um, I mean that that segues us nicely in, well, with what Trevor said. It seg- segues us nicely into uh, sustaining engagement and knowing, I, I guess to couple that, knowing when to pause, step in and pause something, or pause a situation, or even leave it at, at a cliffhanger. Um, well, I, I think even even more minutely, um, so uh, Mason, I'm sure you also experience this as well, <clears throat> But as, as a game master, a pretty common situation is the group goes into XYZ town. Everybody has, you know, a day of downtime. What does everybody want to do? Yep. Everybody wants to do something different. Okay. That's not an easy session to run. Um. Because chances are everybody has picked something that they care about and that somebody else probably does not care about. Um, Or at least there'll probably be one player that's bored to tears Um, because they don't want to do the downtime. They want to sleep, hit the saving screen, and move on to the action again. Um, So it's it's those... um, things of pacing and sustaining engagement... um, switching things up i think the the easiest thing to do in that situation is to like if you have to be this minute like set a five minute timer and just jump between different groups the group that's shopping the group that's out hunting the group that is trying to flirt with people um and and just find a semi-natural point to break and say we're gonna leave this moment here and we're gonna go to here and we'll catch back up um so that the other people around the table don't die and get bored and start getting on their phones yeah um a few things on that number one like we kind of danced around it for a sec but as a gm the the first part of enabling more engagement is creating time for the players to do that. Like, you know, if your players are constantly being pushed from one encounter to another, they're not going to have time to ask, where are you from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't give them a chance to go and explore the city without any time constraints, they're not going to, cause they can't. Um, you're not going to have them interact with a shopkeeper if they don't ever have time to go to a shop. So unless you provide yeah. that, that's part of the pacing aspect. Unless you provide the opportunity for them to take advantage of that, they can't. So mm. find a um, place, can, try it. Can I back us up just a little bit? Um, I think a crucial point to sustaining any engage- engagement is to set some expectations. Um, and like what do you think 
would be a good starting point for most groups um, to understand like what what is interesting to to the most people um like me, like because that's what engagement is yeah for me that's that's part of like as you're doing a session zero which we should we keep saying it, i think it's gonna be the running joke is when we get to the session zero, zero episode um, <laughs> <laughs> part of that is like as you're establishing the campaign you should talk about like you know what we did last episode talking about like good memories we have of stuff the memories people hold on to from D D are going to be the parts they enjoyed the most. Absolutely. And it's going to be stories about the ways they engaged with it that they loved. And so if it's constantly, you know, the running jokes and the crazy powerful stuff they did, and, you know, remember that time you turned into a lich or you sold your soul to a lich or you beat up like 80 people in a bar for a bet, you know, <laughs> that's going to inform you about what they want to, what, what they like to do. And then yeah. as they're telling so, stories so about So what if those, uh, what if the people you're playing with haven't played D and D before? Um, what are some things you can ask to see what types of engagement they like? Uh, what other types of fiction they like? What other types of things they engage with um, can help? And then, you know, it, even like in our campaign, from time to time, you just pause and chat about it. Mm-hmm. Like you just you just have a conversation. So if it's first time for everybody, you talk about like the things you like, and it's like you know what kind of stories do you like? Because there's going to be a story in D and D. So you, you talk about that, you kind of do something in that direction. People are like, oh, you know, I like just classic Star Wars, you know, hero's journey type stuff. We'll, we'll do a classic folk hero type story. Yeah. And then at this point, we'll kind of have a nice stopping point and can figure out where it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, the, basically, the point I wanted to, to back up and make is that um, it is a good idea both as, as players and as a GM to like kind of make your intentions and wants known. Yes. Um, And that is, that can be seem awkward to do, but it can just be um, as simple as at the end of a session that felt a little strained or that felt a little wonky you know, just saying, hey, how did everybody feel about that? Was there anything that felt, like, not as fun? Or even a session we- that went really good as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> saying, then, hey, hey, that seemed really fun to me. Did you guys all have fun? Um, as a, That's a great question to ask as a player because I think sometimes when the dungeon master or the game master asks it, it seems like, people clam up it's it's hard to uh look them in the eye and say i appreciate the work you did but this session really sucked um (laughs) yeah it is so so sometimes it's nice like i've had players be like just kind of speak up and say hey like uh i had a lot of fun this session because if i asked did everybody have fun their automatic answer is going to be yeah we have fun Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Otis of the DM. Yeah. Um. So, so I think that's a starting point. Is like, uh, frequently communicating. Um. Hey, it seemed like you guys were engaged here. Is that right? Or was 
I just making that up because I really liked this character that I made up uh, as a, as a GM or uh, as a player, if you want to do something more asking the, the rest of the group, either out of character or in character, Hey, would you guys like to do this? Yeah. No, I mean, just enunciate it again. Communication is this game's bread and butter. Uh, if you don't have communication, you're not going to have a good game. Just mm-hmm. period. Yeah. So, so separate from that, that being the baseline, how do we um, sustain um, engagement, uh, enhance it? Uh, like, what are some maybe techniques or mechanics to doing that. Uh, we mentioned it before. Kind of feel like a cop out at this point, but uh, just know, f- figure out how to tell when hooks land with players. Mm-hmm. Um, sustained engagement is it's not it doesn't come down to the number of hooks you have it comes down to uh, I'm going to say the accuracy of the bait on those ex- hooks exactly the, the, relevance. the accuracy of the mm-hmm. bait um, yeah. and it's uh, it's different for every player it's different for the DM because remember mm-hmm. guys the DM has to have fun too yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. It's... So, so uh, yeah, something you mentioned there is a, a great tip, plot hooks. Like for a GM, that is an excellent tool to measure engagement on something. Um, like I said in the, in the last episode, uh, we talked about how the campaign started and i just threw i cast a really wide net i i just threw a bunch of shit out there and i didn't put a lot of work into any one thing until you guys said hey this is kind of interesting and your characters went in that direction and then i went oh shit i gotta put some train tracks down in front of this train that's going this way now um But that also told me something. That told me what you guys wanted to do. Um, so a, a useful technique um, to figure out what might get engagement and drive it up is to come up with like a few, like three or four different ideas. Um, if the campaign feels like stale, if the adventure feels like it's at at a crossroads and just present like basically have a session where you're just going to present all of them at once in whatever weird way you think will work. It could be a bounty board. It could be a town crier. It could be that literally every, no matter what room your party walks into this, one of these four problems will be presented to them. And then the group will argue about which one to do, and whichever answer they land on is the one that has the most engagement. I would just 
I'll just call that the, 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 the shotgun. Shotgun story, so to speak. He plays a lot of bait. Uh, different kinds of bait, specifically. Yeah. And you see which which one attracts the players. Yeah. And then you just go from there. And so that that's that's in a tactic that works really well. Like this one, that I have not had as much success with because I'm like more picky. Like it, it's weird. I'm not necessarily a control freak about like how the campaign goes, but I, I like to know what direction I want the story going. Mm-hmm. More than that, personally. It gives me more information to make decisions with. Um, and so that, that's a really effective technique, and I know it is. I just have a hard time using it because I get frustrated because, like, like, if you haven't noticed, I will just go on tangents and go all the way down to the end <laughs> before I change topics again. And that's how my planning goes as well. And so what I do instead, if your brain works a little bit more like mine, is I will just every now and then, like, as I'm planning through my sessions... Um, I will throw in something that's just different. Like we, we've talked about, you know, introducing like role play stuff and doing like a more role play heavy session, whether it's like the classic court case episode or like an episode in a bottle. We're all trapped in a place and you have to solve the mystery or the murder to get out. Um, you know, shaking up the dynamic and the pattern of the game a little bit mm-hmm. to see what sticks. And like, obviously don't do something like hard to the right derail the story. Like it should be relevant and related um like some examples i've had uh we, we did do a, a, a court case one in my campaign it was very hysterical um there was <laughs> <laughs> yeah um crap there was filibustering um Sounds the party amazing. got silence cast on them like a dozen times <laughs> like you know just it, it lets you get a feel for like how that one especially got a really is where I kind of really felt like I got a, a handle on the tone of the campaign because like I was having a hard time engaging like I mentioned like with the lighthearted silliness of it because I, I wanted something a bit more nitty gritty and meaty yeah. and what I ended up doing is landing on something kind of like mesh like it is at its surface very funny and then as you peel back layers it gets a little bit more serious um, and so then people can engage with it at whatever level they prefer and it still is okay. And it, they don't lose or gain anything for it, except for what's best for them. Um, and I, I, I kind of take that approach when it comes to session design as well. Like, if it's getting stale, I want to shake up pacing, or I want to shake up engagement and try and find a new way to engage the players, I will try a new format of session mm-hmm. and and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, another good tool just to think about in, in general is... Um, figure out what level of detail everybody wants. Um, mm-hmm. And that might be different for different things. It might be different for combat. Ooh. It might be different for role play. It might be different for shopping. It might be different for item descriptions. You know? That's good. Uh, That's I, I, and travel. Travel is a big one. Um, that is one that, like, I frequently want to get into the nitty-gritty of. I want to, like, I w- want the party to think about resources and, like, how much time it's going to take to get to places. That's not always fun. It's not. And I have to put that aside sometimes and go, it would be more fun if we just had everybody roll a couple rolls 
and if everybody rolls above a fifth, if everybody rolls above a ten, we'd get there. There's no complications. There's no wandering monsters. We just get there and we go to the next part of the story that everybody fucking cares about, rather than fight wolves right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. But there's the argument for the other case. Yeah. But but there's you got to figure out where your group of players is. You know, are they are they playing Final Fantasy where every extra step you take in the room is a chance to get in another fight? Are they playing a game that might be a little more casual and a little more forgiving? Also, one thing to consider, this isn't really part of the talk, but, but uh, travel adds a lot to world building. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you have your players attacked every other hour, your world's gonna feel really small. It just is from a player perspective. It's like why is why do the wolves have such a crazy population in this one area? Why does every bandit in Skyrim attack me when I'm wearing full <laughs> ebony armor? It doesn't exactly. make sense. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're wearing hide, and you're still. <laughs> You fool! You, you got some balls. How bro. are you this desperate? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, uh, in in equal part of importance with sustaining engagement, we have uh, knowing when to take a break. Because, in my mind, breaks are just as pungent. Or, or just as potent, rather, as solid engagement is. Like if you if you if you have a particularly tense session, or or um, something eventful happens, honestly, I would say call a short break, five ten minutes, and let your pro players breathe just kind of absorb it and mm-hmm. then come back and with, with a fresh brain and just dig into it i think you'll get better results personally a pee mm-hmm. break is a powerful tool it is because it, it doesn't necessarily acknowledge it either you're just like i'm gonna pause here and go to the bathroom you know it th- that sometimes is all that's needed because you know the fact of acknowledging the tension and the the power of the situation in a way takes away from it sometimes, not always, mm-hmm. but sometimes. And so just saying like, yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go grab a, you know, a water even or refill, whatever. And just giving people a moment to pause. Yeah. You know, the number of times I've just been like, okay, hey, I'm going to peace out. And it's literally just to let my players like plan what, how they're going to get out of this ridiculous situation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I come I, back I, and I they're was... just like discussing and they haven't even like figured out what they're doing turn one of like a combat or a hypothetical situation <laughs> it's dope it's so yeah. satisfying it's to come back to. i i was gonna mention that like there's a couple situations where that's super useful like um you know they review you the classic switcheroo where the party realizes a person who they thought was an ally is actually an enemy mm-hmm. they learn a giant new piece of information um they encounter a danger that they weren't expecting or maybe weren't fully prepared for. Um, and like the party either suffers a, a really good gain or a really good loss. That could be 
they find this treasure chest and unlock it and they see all this shit inside, that's a good time to just potentially take a break or do whatever. You know, if it's towards the end of your normal game time, I would heavily suggest quitting while you're ahead. If you're the dungeon master, um, this is your version of quitting while you're ahead. And it will make your players desperate for the next game session. If they defeat the boss, they loot the body, and they get his weapon. And then you're like, okay, we got to go. Or they're sneaking through a place, and they get caught. And the guards say, hey, you stop. And that's where we're going to end the session tonight. Yep. I was gonna say that's a really powerful one to do. That's just cool, man. That's cool. And, and it's it's mean, <laughs> but sometimes it's necessary, especially when things get shaken up. Like mm-hmm. if the players do something you don't expect, um, and that's where a pee break can also be useful. If the players engage in a particular hook or a particular moment that you didn't think would mean anything you can just be like, I have to go to the bathroom and then literally be like, okay, what the fuck are we going to do right now? Um, And like come up with a game plan to help meet what they want to do. Um, That's also another useful tool for that. That one's especially fun when you aren't the host. And so you go to someone else's bathroom and start talking to yourself. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's a real power move. (laughs) <laughs> you can do this you can do this <laughs> you got this you can you can pull it off <laughs> uh, all right no i think that was do, do we have anything else to add to that particular mm-hmm. um yeah i think i think that that kind of covers like you know taking breaks um when when to call it quits like cliffhangers mm-hmm. are okay a, a cliche for a reason um, because they fucking work, man. And and know when not to use it. Like, that goes without saying, but I'm going to say it. Like, know when you should just kind of clean things up. Like, take the 10 minutes, wrap it up real quick, and move on. Um, and know when it is good to be like, yeah, we're going to freaking leave them hanging high and dry and waiting. Um, and, and that's something that'll come with practice and time. Cause you know, yeah. if you do it too much, the, it'll become just kind of rote and it'll be like, yeah, yeah. But even, even still not to the degree you'd expect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's, 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 yeah. it's very much a tempo and that kind of falls back into just being able to read general engagement of your audience. I, I guess the, the bigger thing I'm trying to say is don't try and force a cliffhanger uh-huh. where there's not one. If there's not one, it's okay to end a session and be like, you know, we just we have a nice story beat. Things are kind of wrapped up. We're in 15 minutes early. That's also fine. It doesn't have to be a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. It can be uh, just I mean, a nice, yeah, a long hand. rest or a short rest is always a great place yeah. to end a session. Um, you know, it's not the most exciting place. Yeah. Necessarily. It's, it's a solid place. But yeah. it's a solid place just as far as like, especially a long rest, then... Everybody knows they can have whatever spells and whatever hit points they want when they come back. Yeah. And, um, and, get a key high and full hit spot. points, not whatever hit points. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a thousand hit points. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take well, a million, please. You oh, know, on, on top of that, um, 
it's really great when say they're having a long rest or, or a short rest or just really any kind of downtime and a couple players uh, start talking to each other and they start getting into it and this one's a little more tricky but if the DM can find a place where like major lores has been dropped or is about to drop well has been dropped um, or, or major character development has happened you know if if your group's okay with it stay that extra few minutes and, and let them get to that point and then just say all right you know we'll see what these characters do next session or something like that mm -hmm. um it's all about it's about all about knowing your audience um now here's a difficult one how do you change gears on engagement? Um, so we've talked about like the myriad of different ways to engage. Um, so you kind of have to approach things differently. Like you have to build certain things for the types of engagement you want. Um, and this is where like mechanics uh, can get in the way. Um, we've talked about this a lot personally, but like D and D fifth edition is basically set up. So that the most clear way to level up is to kill things. Um, because every monster has a stack of XP points attached to it. Yeah. Um, so if that is the way you set up the world is that you kill this, you do this, that's the only way you get experience. You are going to encourage them to engage in violence so that they can get the experience points. Um, but you can also incentivize other types of engagement by giving um by giving physical rewards alliance rewards um a get out of jail free card reward you know if they you know have a drunken night with the noble's son and go out and party with him and then they end up in court two weeks later the noble's son might bail them out you know give them rewards for these different types of engagements to let your players know that you were paying attention. Um, yeah. So, so that's, those are ways to like incentivize changing gears is, is letting it known that different types of engagement come with rewards too. Um, yeah. And like be blatant about it. I have no problem as a GM saying, if you wouldn't have said that to that character, they wouldn't have given you this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, I had to do something similar. Uh, we had the final, you know, boss fight in the campaign I run and the wizard at the end wasn't feeling like he'd done a, a ton. I just kind of had to tell him like, so that thing you did round one, 
of the combat kept the boss from doing 3d8 damage in a straight line every single turn of the combat. He did not get to use that ability once because you spent every turn keeping him from doing that, even though that you didn't know that's what he was doing. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it was like a one-off ability. I'm like, no, it would have been every single turn. Mm-hmm. And you could just see the gears turning in his head and he ran the, you know, and he, he, he's an engineer IRL. And he's like, okay, yeah, like three people would have died. I'm like, yeah, like three people would have died. <laughs> you know, like there, I'm usually not like a peel back the layers and let them know everything about it. But like from time to time, it's like, yeah, you got to let them know. Let them know. This is the thing that happened. Um, yeah. Speaking of like changing gears uh, and, and how to like adjust things like that. I kind of want to go back to a topic we touched on very briefly at the beginning where it's like, how, how do you handle kind of the, the session where you're at a new city and you kind of turn the players loose to do what they want to do? You know, mm-hmm. they, they may not all be doing the same thing. It Odds are you're going to have at least, you know, in a five-person party, you have at least three groups doing stuff that is largely unrelated. You know, the stereotypical, like, there's going to be the fighter trying to, you know, find the fight club. The bard's going to try and find a brothel and the wizard's going to go to the library, for example. Because um, we've talked about, like, the long-term engagement, ending sessions, transitioning, you know, campaign-wise or session-to-session-wise. But let's, you know, in a campaign or not a campaign, in a session, you know, how, how are we going to change gears where we might have different tones, which is something we'll probably talk about more in later ep- episodes, but I think it's relevant here. You know, the the bard in the brothel is likely going to be pretty funny. Um, and the wizard in the library is, you know, going to be a little bit more like lore story-based stuff. That's a good place to drop some future hooks, some it's information so about the city. Classist. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so it's just a simple, it's, it's the most basic <laughs> hypothetical. So we're going to go with it for the sake mm-hmm. of time because we're kind of getting close there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what are what are some tips for transitioning between those for tone and engagement levels? Because obviously they're engaging for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that is a, um, like those kinds of things are a good way to like set expectations with, mechanics um like setting a tone slash uh changing gears like the brothel scenario is probably going to be a lot more fast and loose there's not going to be as many dice rolls Mm -hmm. right because they're yeah (laughs) um they're like as a as a gm i stereotypically i assume the bard is going to the brothel um to carouse and to goof around like that's not a difficult thing to do at a brothel if you have enough money to pay for it like why am i going to make them roll dice to flirt with people who are paid to flirt with them yeah <laughs> like if they try to get if they try to get a discount Sure, make a persuasion roll. Yeah, the player probably is there because it's you know it's a character thing, but like they, they want to perform, they want to do some funny, flirty stuff. Mm-hmm. You know that that's what they're wanting to engage in is they want to have a good mm-hmm. time. They want to go through the motions potentially of trying to get laid and find the the best hooker for them. Mm-hmm. You know now now and then you change that to you're in you you spent five minutes with that character. They showed up at the brothel. They're hanging out. 
they're like scoping out the scene. Several of the girls have come up and, and flirted with them and maybe some of the guys and what whatever the scenario is. And then you flash to the wizard's tower. And this is a very different scene. It's, yeah. a, it's a hard shift. Yeah. What I would tend to do is to like, like you said, there is a pretty high chance of like comedy and like goofiness in the brothel bard scene like a lightheartedness mm-hmm. maybe um so play that up when you change scenes and just be like <laughs> and the as uh the girls start fawning over you and bringing your you drinks um, we flash over to the wizard, head in his book, staring down, papers everywhere. What are you researching? And then it's just like, oh, like what? Like just make it jarring. Just hit to it with like non sequitur. Ju- to just make the point that like, oh, we're going. But honestly, you can just like go. We're doing this now. We're doing this. You want to research? What are you researching? And here are the things you need to do to do that. You either need to pay money. If it's a private library, you need to spend time mm-hmm. pouring through things, or you need to pay some other resource to get these librarians to get all the shit for you. Yeah. Um, so like what, what does that look like? Um, and then you can have, some lore stuff come out, but then like immediately after you're talking about how the hidden gods of this world have orchestrated things, jump right back into the brothel and just be like, Hey, um, so, um, you know, roll up like when you come. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I was going to say, roll a, roll a perception check. just turn to the bard and just say, roll a perception check. Um, (laughs) To see if they notice the girls stealing shit from him, yeah. Well, yeah. his pants are off, or <laughs> um, notice that all of the girls are actually shapeshifters. Oh God! That are all like gray, amorphous doppelganger things. Oh, things. That's so hot. That yeah, he, just he just gets harder. <laughs> shapeshift into different things. Like, like that would be kind of funny to throw at, at your player who thinks that he's carousing and he's just in a bar with like a bunch of imps that have changed themselves into <laughs> yeah, that I guess so attractive good. people. The the big thing, yeah, is that that I want to say here is like the the tonality, especially in a session like that, is already fairly loose. Like, mm. don't try and do too much story stuff with a session like that. That that is one where you want to let the players get familiar with the area. Um, yeah. And so be okay with like, yeah, we're just going to hop right back over there and be okay with it. The, mm-hmm. the bigger challenge is giving each player, you know, enough time to do their thing and feel like they got to participate. And that's one that's more like, it, it, it's a bit of a cop out answer, but it's just practice. Yeah. Like I would, I would say come up it. with a, come up with a clear system um, that if it it probably won't be fair but at least seems fair yeah 
um, because some character things are just going to take longer than others. Yep. But switching back and forth between perspectives at least gives the illusion that you're spreading it out and gives different people a chance to chime in. Yes. Um, so what, what I would say is the biggest thing, um, especially when, when players are split up and you want to keep things engaging is to say, Hey, here's how we're going to do this. We're just going to go until, um, this group of characters runs into a problem and then we're going to switch to the other group. Yeah, and, and yeah. let the other group know who's on deck um, yeah. so they can be ready. I, I do want to just add something to that. Um, there, okay, first off, our campaign might be weird. Uh, I don't know. I love it. But <laughs> there have been times in our campaign where uh, just a lot of different storylines come together and they're focused on one of the player characters and you're all in a place where, you know, maybe the other characters don't have a lot of other things to do or the scene's just really expansive. Now, what we've done is we've already established that us as players, we're okay with coming to a session and sitting there while another player gets the limelight because well, we've talked about it before the session, first off, communication. And secondly, uh, we all are engaged enough in the overarching storyline that I think we all enjoy just being observers to maybe one one particular player's uh, story as it unfolds. Um, I know I love it, and it's happened a couple times now, and I think it will happen several more times just because we're also engrossed in the in each other's stories and mind you like our characters may not even be around when all this stuff is happening so yeah it, i i can easily see that not working in many at many tables but uh it's an option so yeah just keep that in mind yeah that's like that's part of the whole you know hypothetical we put out is like if if it's entertaining and fun even if people aren't immediately actively participating in that particular scene the fact that they know theirs is coming up and it's gonna be just as good as this one is enough to keep them engaged even when they're not actively playing the game you know quote unquote yeah and and it, it builds that anticipation and then you you hop to somebody else and you're like all right you're on, we're there we you know that that hard transition leaves that you know it's just like we talked about with the pacing on sessions ending it at a hot spot leaves mm-hmm. that person wanting more go right to the person who's been excited because they've seen that scene going they get to have their scene it's kind of what they were wanting not necessarily like the same laugh out mm-hmm. loud romp at the amorphous blob brothel <laughs> you know but it's just as fun for what they were wanting 
And then we hop back over to somebody else who's like, I want him to accomplish this task and become a vigilante overnight. Mm-hmm. We're doing it. You're Batman, bro. You're and, Batman. Yeah, back to the bone I, zone. You your know? parents um, are dead. <laughs> something I just remembered that I forgot because I literally do it without thinking about it. Um, and I know, I know we're going a little long on this topic, but a really easy way to increase player engagement is to give players a task that is not necessarily part of their character, but maybe part of game mechanics. For instance, combat. Combat can get really boring, especially if there are a bunch of NPC allies on the board. Mm-hmm. When the GM has to take a 20-minute turn to move all the pieces around. So I all the time tell the players that they are in charge of the allies' movements. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's a very simple one, but you can do the same thing. You can say, for story purposes, your character is in charge of this organization. Yeah. yeah. You you are in charge of running initiative. You are in charge of running hit points. Um, those are all combat examples. But uh, if you're running a more role-playing session, um, you can say, hey, can you um, take some like rough notes uh, about what we talk about um, just to help me out so that I can role-play and not take notes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of players would be willing to do that, and that would keep at least one more player engaged in the scene. Yeah. Because um, I, a lot of times, trick myself into thinking that because I'm the GM, I have to do everything. Um, Constantly, same. But that's kind of malarkey. Um, it causes more problems uh, than solutions, usually. Um, because people just aren't good at everything. Uh, so, <laughs> so find what you are good at and offload other things onto your players who want to do that. And like, don't force them, but just say, hey, like, I get kind of distracted keeping track of initiative. Could somebody else do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I get kind of distracted. Um, doing xyz you know i don't want to manage i don't want to manage the maps could you could somebody else do that there's lots of simple things yeah uh, just delegate the tasks the simple tasks to make the dm's job easier Mm -hmm. yeah and and those are perfect for the background players who just want to be there to have fun who maybe aren't going to have a super fleshed out character backstory. Mm -hmm. They are typically I've noticed more than willing to pick up some of those other duties. And that also keeps them, you know, off of their phones and from zoning out during the less exciting to them bits of a campaign. Yes. Well, that's that's all we have for this episode. Mm-hmm. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, there's 
I think I think this might be one that we revisit. I was gonna say yeah, in, we in different <laughs> flavors because um, there's a lot. We like like cover. we talked about in the other two episodes on engagement, like it can really make or break the campaign, um, and a lot of the quote-unquote pro tips of (laughs) how to have a successful campaign come down to this like group dynamic of engagement versus the individual dynamic of engagement yeah and there are so many ways to balance that that can work and do work Um, like i i really want to do a follow-up that is just talking about identifying the types of engagements each of your players has and how to design your sessions in a way that they engage all of the players you have Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something we could maybe talk about when we do the political intrigue city building one next week where we can Mm. talk about like you know i've got this player that just wants to fight people how do i deal with that when they are interested in the story of political intrigue, but you know, the gameplay is not what they're wanting that kind of stuff. Like that, that, that kind of thing is super, super interesting to me. Cause of like what I've been doing as my job for the past few years, mm-hmm. which is, you know, all that kind of understanding a person's motivations and meeting them kind of thing. Um, and, and it's just a more directly hands-on useful approach to it as well. That breaks it down even farther. Yeah, so so I think we hit a lot of like what feels like broad and and nebulous topics, but we with examples, um, but like it's the bare bones of like how to build and start driving engagement slightly higher, and mm-hmm. how to jump in and tweak a few things um, when you notice things starting to dip, um, yeah. and how everybody can work together um to have the group buy in to a fantasy world now i I would like to say uh i hope y'all are in on this but if any of our audience has questions toss them to us we'll do our best to address as many as we can Mm mm-hmm Yes. Probably general strokes, but... Yeah, that's, like, uh, part of why we wanted to make this, was to, like, create a place where people can have discussions about the game that don't just end up with people trying to tell them that they're doing spells wrong or whatever. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. or, or they should do a different <laughs> initiative method. Like, it, it's, it's usually not a mechanical thing that they're wanting usually to fix. Usually not. But people are trying to just give them game mechanics to do it. Yeah. Yeah, there there are mechanical fixes to some very specific problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in most situations, like Mason said, it comes down to um, there's something else going on, something a little more nebulous that's harder to pin yeah. down. Um, and that's that's what we're hoping to brush on some of these these wider ranging concepts that happen in role playing that we've watched go well we've watched go okay and we've watched go very poorly 
Mostly poorly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, it would be an interesting uh, episode. We, I wouldn't want to get too specific because I don't want to make anybody feel bad. But man, I've I've been in some bad, not fun <laughs> campaigns. No, and, and that I've run, and where players were just not having it or I wasn't having it. And man, that would be a funny thing to. I've, I've thought about, it would be funny to do like a, we diagnose D and D horror stories. We just read them and then talk about them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yes, I think that'd be funny. Uh, that would be an amazing episode. So, I, uh, that's where I think we're going to tie things up for this one. Um, yeah. see y'all next episode.